What is it that you are looking for? Do you really know? Is it the thing that's most immediate? The thing that will make you feel better for now? Or is it something deeper, more fulfilling, more lasting? Hi, I'm Stuart and it's my pleasure to welcome you here to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. I hope you find our time together today enriches your journey with God. This is the second service exploring the idea of bread in John's Gospel. You can find the first instalment and all of our other services on our website as videos and as podcasts. Today, Bob and Joyce Miller join me in leading our time of worship. The reading today is from John chapter 6, verses 24 to 35. When the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into those boats and went to Capernaum, looking for him. When the people found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Teacher, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I am telling you the truth. You are looking for me because you ate the bread and did all you wanted, not because you understood my miracles. Do not work for food that goes bad. Instead, work for food that lasts for eternal life. This is the food which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has put his mark of approval on him. So they asked him, What can we do in order to do what God wants us to do? Jesus answered, What God wants you to do is to believe in the one he sent. They replied, What miracle will you perform so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert, just as the scripture says. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. I am telling you the truth, Jesus said. What Moses gave you was not the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread that God gives is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they asked, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. Those who come to me will never be hungry. Those who believe in me will never be thirsty. What lengths would you go to to see someone, maybe a team or a band or a singer that you really, really like? We hear stories all the time of people who have gone to extraordinary lengths to see a show or follow their favourite team. I'm generally not a spontaneous kind of person. I like a plan and a bit of consideration before I do something. But a few years ago, Avril and I had been to Hamden to see Bruce Springsteen. And these days they record all the shows so that you can pop onto the website and download it. It was a brilliant concert. So a couple of days later, I went onto the website to do just that. But the concert recording wasn't the only thing I found on the website. Tickets had just been released for more gigs and Bruce was playing in one of our favourite places, in Chicago. So I bought three tickets. No flights, no hotel. Not even a conversation with Avril about whether I should or not. And what was even stranger was that I bought three tickets. I'd wrote my dad into this plan too. I had a taste of what was on offer and I wanted more. It turned out to be a fantastic trip, one of the best concerts we've ever been to. But my dad decided he didn't want to come. So we were able to give our ticket to a friend who was in Chicago studying at the time. It all worked out fine. In fact, it was better than fine. It was brilliant. 
thankfully. I mean, what if it had been rubbish? What if I'd wasted all of that money? Can you imagine the trouble I would have been in? But to be honest, it was never really that big a chance, was it? Springsteen is always great. His band are incredible musicians and Chicago is an amazing city. The stakes were never that high. We were going on holiday somewhere. We just hadn't picked where yet. So it really wasn't that big a gamble. But the people in the story today are in a very different situation. They've been part of a miracle and they don't really have a clue what just happened. They don't know how they were fed or how they all got enough. They just know that Jesus had something to do with it, but they don't really understand what's just happened. For them, the bread was the thing. Their bellies were full now, and that was great. They had all eaten as much as they wanted, and for many of them that would be a rare thing. The sick and the poor don't often dine well. The people go looking for more, just like I did with Springsteen. They follow him, they go searching for him, and as soon as they realise that he's not there with them, It's more bread they want. Jesus is just a means to a meal. And it's not just the people who don't understand. Remember, as Jesus came walking on the water after feeding the 5,000, the disciples were terrified. They didn't really understand who Jesus was either. And they'd been with him for a while by then. When you need something as basic as food to eat, then it's very much the only thing that you can think of. Hunger consumes your thoughts. It's difficult to think of anything else when your stomach is empty. So when you have nothing and someone comes along and gives you not just, well, not just you, but everyone else in the same position as you enough to eat, then of course you're going to want more of that. As long as Jesus is there, you'll never have that empty feeling again. He's gone. And that realisation brings with anxiety. We thought things had changed. We thought we had found a source of food, but he's gone. Of course they go looking for him. And when they find him, Jesus begins to explain. The bread isn't really the thing. And that's really hard to understand when you're hungry. There's a story that all the people know. It's a story of something that happened to their ancestors a long time ago. We started to tell some of that story last time. It's the story that became known as the Exodus. The story of the Hebrew slaves escaping from Egypt into the wilderness. As you can imagine, finding food and water for what became a very large number of people stuck in the desert becomes an issue, especially in some places that they find themselves in. The people find themselves hungry and they start to complain. They go to Moses and moan at him. He's the one that got them into this mess and he's the only one that gets to talk to God. So Moses goes off to speak to God and ask for help. And God listens and acts. His people are hungry, so God provides food for them. Every morning when they wake up, the ground was covered in what they called manna, bread from heaven. There was enough for each day, but as the sun grew hot, the manna melted away. God provided every morning. They were brilliant at naming things. They called things literally what they were, or what they thought of them. This word manna means, what is this? I think it's one of the best names for something ever. A mysterious food that appears in the morning and melts away in the sun. Why wouldn't you name it, what is this? Because it's like nothing they've ever seen before. And they have no idea where it comes from. When the people Jesus meets read that story, they make a mistake. And it's a very common mistake. And it's the same mistake that they're making with Jesus. They think Moses made the manna happen. 
They don't realise that God is responsible. Moses just went and asked. But because the people weren't involved in that bit, they thanked the messenger. The people think Jesus made the bread multiply, and he did. But not because he's a prophet or a leader like Moses. God is standing right in front of them, and they can't see that. Jesus wants them and us to see beyond the thing, beyond the bread, beyond the miracle, and to see instead where it comes from. There was a clue in the miracle itself. Jesus took the bread and the fish that the boy gave to him and gave thanks to God. But they always did that. We call it saying grace before a meal. It's a dying tradition where people who eat together stop for a moment before they eat and give thanks to God for their food and for the people who provided it. But that's where the confusion comes in, for the people who provided it. We should give thanks to those who grow our food and prepare it and cook it for us, but sometimes that takes the focus away from the actual provider, God. The people Jesus was talking to thought that Moses had made the manna happen because he went to God and asked for it. So they thanked him for the manna. It's like somebody buying you a present. You thank them, but you don't give much thought to the shopkeeper or to the person who created the gift. Jesus wants to help the people see the bigger picture, to see that God is the provider. In this case, the people don't even really recognise that it's a miracle. Give us another sign, they say, do it again. They don't realise that Jesus is it. He's what they've been looking for. So when Jesus tells them, and as I am the bread of life, I'm not sure they understand any better. Jesus uses that play in words again, I am. It's a statement about identity, but it's also the name of God. Jesus is saying he is God, there among them, present with them. He's not like Moses who had to go off and ask God for manna. Jesus is God, standing there in front of him. He is the bread of life. He's the provider of all that keeps us and sustains us. And he's standing there, right in the middle of them. In church, bread has become a symbol of that presence, especially when we celebrate communion. In fact, other Christian traditions actually call the bread of communion the presence, reminding them that that very idea that Jesus is teaching about here. God is present to us in Jesus. He's the one being shared. And when the people eat the bread, they're feasting on God, making God part of themselves, present within them. Later, Jesus will do something similar, breathing the Holy Spirit into the disciples. God is close as their breath. But it's a question for all of us. Do we see God as separate, distant, over there somewhere, removed and remote? Do we confuse the things that God provides for God himself? Do we worship stuff, a building, a book, an idea, a way of doing things? The people then did. They were often more worried about the rules and practices than they were about the purpose of those rules and what the practices represented in the first place. They reminded them to put God at the centre of their lives. The people who this gospel was written for had been thrown out of their synagogues. They were struggling with how to worship God, how to take part in those rituals and practices when they couldn't go to their church. If your idea of God creates a religious system built on an idea of God being present in a particular place in the temple, then being cut off from that is a real problem. And it can be a problem for us too. I wonder if the last 18 months has perhaps reminded us that God's with us wherever we are. The people had missed that point. 
they'd missed that point about God with them completely. Jesus was there to show them that God was as close to them as the bread that they ate. They're among them, keeping them and sustaining them, just as he is with us, here, now, always.
prayer for others and ourselves. Let us pray. Loving God, in praise and in hope, with eyes open to the wonder of your grace, we present ourselves before you in this building, in our homes, apart in space, but united in your love. Be among us today. Join us together in the radical spirit of change and the new perspectives. Shine your light on the possibility and the potential for a different way through you. As your church continues to discern our path forward, we ask for the boldness to hold what is good and overturn what blocks our path towards service of you and each other. We pray for all those who bear the heavy burden of leadership, that they find the wisdom to serve all people. We pray for the isolated and the lonely, that they find strength and comfort in you. We pray for all those who are ill, that they will find healing in your love. And on this day, as we strive to follow your Son, Jesus, on the path of love for all, caring for ourselves and each other, help us to work, to see and to seek the change for which this world is so desperate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have gathered and worshipped. We have been forgiven and blessed. We have been taught and encouraged. So we go from here to live in the light of God, growing in grace and love with the help of the Spirit, our teacher and friend. So go with that blessing, the blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Source and Spirit, today and always. Amen.